0: Hi, good evening. Uh, I know you're probably looking at me right now like, why is he dressed like that? <laughs> I, I will explain. Um, tonight, we're, we're talking about shepherds. Very, very ordinary men who experienced incredible grace from God, heard a great uh, message about this King Jesus that we've been singing about, and God used them to spread the message of of grace so I, I I'm really excited to, to be here with you tonight and to to worship our Lord have you enjoyed singing tonight yes so good to sing to Jesus my parents didn't grow up uh, in a in a believing home you know my, my mom was in West Virginia dad in Philadelphia both really broken families and God actually sent some very faithful People, ordinary people, into their lives, um, that led them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. For my for my dad, it was in the navy. He was he was paired up with this this uh, bunk mate named Gene, who was incredibly excited about this man Jesus, and led my dad to, to the Lord. And then my mom in West Virginia, an only child, broken family. This this family, the Ledfords, big family in a small town in Fayetteville, West Virginia, shared their home and their big family with, with my mom, who gave her life to the Lord as, as a young woman. And here I am, having received the message from a young age, and, and I stand today excited to tell you about Jesus, this, this, this one who saves, who brings peace to the earth. I'm, I'm forever indebted to my parents and to those faithful individuals that God used to save my parents and who who brought me to where I am today. And I think each of us could share similar stories, right? We we all have an amazing story that God has brought us to where we are now, where where we're treasuring Jesus, where we can say, like, we love to sing to the faithful God. And this is how the kingdom spreads, church. This is what I'm excited to talk to you about tonight. This is that through ordinary messengers, some very ordinary men, He who had seen the good news of Jesus, he spreads his kingdom message. So but here's what's odd to me. I sometimes forget just how amazing it is that I am where I am right now. I could have grown up in a home, an atheistic family, maybe a materialistic family. I I could have grown up in any other place in the world where the gospel is is forbidden to be preached, where the Bible is, is not allowed to be distributed, or printed, even worse, I could have grown up in one of the the many existing people groups where there isn't an, even a, a Bible translated in their language, and missionaries have never come but that's not that's not where I am today but i'm but I'm shocked i I forget so often that that this message, which is humanity's only hope, our greatest need, has not been heard by so many, and yet i I don't hardly think about it some days. I want to ask like what what is it that causes my excitement about the gospel to wane so easily? you know do you guys feel that with me i i don't I don't even know know what exactly it is, but I remember as a as a new believer, I couldn't help but preach this gospel. Do you remember what that was like as you know when you first heard this gospel and and you just Man, it's, it's come alive in your heart, and you're like, I have got to tell my friends. No matter, I can, I'll look like a fool, I'll carry my Bible in school, it doesn't matter what it looks like, I'll talk about it. But then, something happens. Something happens where the beauty of the gospel seems to start to, to wane. And I want to ask tonight, like, what do we do to rekindle that joy over the gospel that would cause us to, to preach it with great joy to everyone that we can get our, you know, that we, that we stand in front of. What's it going to take? Well, a couple weeks back, I, I preached a message entitled, Hearts That Praise, and, and there I set out a vision that those who have a small, have small worship often have a small view of God. We need a, a fresh vision of our God and a fresh vision of ourself and our need for Him to stir, hearts, to stir our hearts to praise Him. Today's text captures a similar theme but takes it a step further. The shepherds, when they saw and heard this message about Jesus, not only did they worship greatly, we'll see, but they also couldn't help but share the message about Jesus. So I want to I get into that text that my wife just read. And see what motivated their joy-filled proclamation. And my prayer is that our joy in sharing this message will be rekindled. Let me point you to the outline of the message. should be up there. In verses 8 to 9, we're going to see an extraordinary celebration in the fields outside of Bethlehem. 10 to 16, we'll see an extraordinary message. And then in 17 to 21, we're going to see these ordinary messengers that I've been talking about. And here's my main point for the day. God chose ordinary messengers messengers to proclaim an extraordinary message this this message is titled extraordinary message ordinary messengers let's jump right in with the first point verse 8 to not, from verses 8 to 10 so just want to bring up the speed where we were last week sam preached us a message about the absurd humility of our god We find Jesus laying in a manger, the king of kings laying in a manger. It was the greed of Caesar calling for a census that led Mary and Joseph to the area of Bethlehem. And they're far from home and from family, surely exhausted from giving birth. And they're looking down on their firstborn son, who's prophesied to be a king, Lying there in a manger. And feelings of joy and wonder would have filled their heart. Mixed with the discomfort and the pain of the childbirth that they have just been through. And then Luke tells us in verse 8, if you follow along with me. Then in the fields nearby, there's, there's these shepherds where God chooses to throw this crazy Celebration. We're not told exactly how much time passed in between the birth and, and this moment in the field, but the narrative would suggest that it wasn't very long after. They did find him lying in a manger very soon after. It would have been a quiet and slow night, just like every other, right? They're sitting under the stars. It's, it's almost pitch black. I mean, there's not electricity lighting the sky or their their phone flashlight to, to light up their, their space. but they probably would have been hearing crickets and the crackling of the wood and they're just the, the bleeding of the sheep they're just sitting there quiet like every other night watching for thieves and wild animals what an accurate picture of the world in those moments a world that had no idea what had just transpired The scriptures had talked about this, they talk about this moment as as being the fullness of time. All of history was culminating in this moment when Jesus would enter the world. And yet, the world slept. The world was sleeping as God entered creation. The royal family of the United Kingdom They can't escape the paparazzi people trying to catch any glimpse they can of the royal family, of the royal children. But the king of the whole world was born while the world slept. God has entered human history. But lest we mistake this lowly birth for a lowly event, God threw a celebration. He made the announcement big and, and beautiful when he showed up. In verse 9, it tells us that out of the darkness and the silence, read it with me, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It was like the sun had just come up in an instant, and blinding light, reminiscent of you know, Jesus' transfiguration, the glory, and Paul on the road to Damascus, or Ezekiel's visions, The glory of the Lord shone around them and an angel stood before them and is proclaiming words and and they are terrified. I would be terrified too. But these angels, they proclaim to the shepherds, fear not. Angels were God's messengers, created like everything else that God made. And yet they were, they were created to serve Him. So they're in heaven, they're the closest beings to God. And so when angels coming out of God's presence come into the, the human realm, God's glory lingers on them. There's blazing light and glory, so much so that the, the people, everyone that sees these, these creatures are, are tempted to worship them. And they had reason to be afraid, didn't they? You know, think back to the Garden of Eden after the fall. God set up a, an angel at the entrance of the garden so that they couldn't pass with a, a flaming sword. It's showing that, that sin had broken communion with God, that, that God, the holy God, could not be approached in the same way. And yet, this, this comforting word from the angel, Fear not. Fear not. That should comfort you today. The God who has every reason to pour out his wrath on us, has every reason to pour out his wrath on the shepherds, instead says, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Shepherds, I'm not here to hurt you. I have God's good news to proclaim to you. Just imagine, God chose to celebrate and announce this amazing event, not with kings, not with the holy priests, but with shepherds, with grungy blue-collar men out in the field. (laughs) I'm just trying to show a little picture, not that this says all that much, but He showed up to men that you wouldn't expect Him to show up to. He came to celebrate with people that you wouldn't expect Him to celebrate with. And this will be typical of Jesus' ministry, wouldn't it? After Jesus rose from death, who did He first show up to? But a woman. Low on, on that... In that time, they were low on the social totem pole, as it were. They... They weren't as important, but Jesus shows up to lowly people. God didn't come to the high places first because then the lowly and the poor would be overlooked, wouldn't they? God came to the low, bringing good news to all mankind. God came to the low so that everyone would hear and so that God's wisdom would be revealed. You see the compassion and humility of our God. Behold our God, church. He's so good to us. His good news is one of great joy for the lowly. And it's for you today. But the celebration was not over. Church, look at verses 11 to 16 as we'll see the extraordinary message. Verse 11 says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Remember when you see that word for, you can translate it because. Why is the message good news of great joy? Because the Messiah is born. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a child who is Christ the Lord, who will reign over all. Notice. He didn't say Bethlehem. He said the city of David. The city of David. This is signaling the the long awaited Messiah is being born. The the offspring of David promised. The one who was going to rule on his throne forever and ever. This is the the Christ that the Jews have been waiting for. The Messiah was born. And if if this wasn't... Enough of an extraordinary reality for you to see. Look at, the, look at verse 12 to see what, what this child, how he's been born. It says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The Messiah, the one who is expected to come and wipe out their enemies. The one who is expected to bring prosperity and peace. The Messiah would be found Lying in a manger. It might seem to you like this whole, the beginning of this Luke series, we've just been pounding. God has come to the lowly. He's come to you. He's come to the lowly. He came to Mary. He came to Zechariah. But this is, this is the kingdom of God, that God comes to even us. This is good news for us. The paradox of verse, verses 11 and 12 should cause us worship, cause us to worship our God in awe. The Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, having his beginning in a feeding trough far from home. Literally far from his hometown of Nazareth and far from his true dwelling place, heaven. This was Emmanuel. This was God with us. The word become flesh should cause us to marvel in worship. Indeed, it caused all of heaven to worship. Look at verse 13 with me. Luke records there that suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God. (laughs) I love this. It's like the angel wasn't enough for God to show how powerful this moment was. There was... The, the, the glory of God was blazing around them. There's an angel standing them there before them, causing them great fear. And then behind the angel, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. Can you imagine this moment? Heaven is singing over this Christ. This is so good. This is so cool to me that God chose to throw this concert for shepherds. I wish I would have been there. And I look forward to seeing that. Church, we'll see that one day. We'll see the heavenly choirs singing and we'll join them. Amen? And I think it's right to say that they're even amongst us now. That God's presence is with us. We know that. And His angels are worshiping with us. The one angel uh, began Or sorry, the the multitude of the heavenly hosts they were singing a song of great joy. What did they say? Verse 14: Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is song, this song is packed with meaning. It brings number well, it shows us that the good news of Jesus has two primary effects. Number one, it's gonna bring glory to God, and number two, it's gonna bring peace to mankind. In the coming of the Son of God, God's glory is revealed, in that we see His gracious character, His humility, His love poured out in this amazing birth. But God's glory is displayed most fully, Church, in the peace that He would bring to Earth. Let me explain what I mean. The sin scarred world, the sin scarred mankind—that you and me had long experienced the the effects of the curse of the fall. Broken, our fellowship with God broken. Hostility between us and Him. Hostility between us and fellow man. Hostility between us and the ground and the creation. But Jesus came to recreate us, church. He, cra- he came to reconcile us to God. That is to restore peace with Him that He had with man in the garden. But hear me on this. God's sending the son Jesus was not just so that you could be back in relationship with with him. He wants to restore everything that was broken by the curse. He wants to restore your relationship with yourself. Here's what I mean. Christians who have had a reconciled relationship with God, when we find peace with God, we are surprised that Many other things begin to fall in place. We're not anxious about the same things anymore. We don't grumble in the same way. We have power to overcome sin and lies of the evil one. This all comes through an ongoing process. Not, don't get me wrong. This, this is a long process, but there is truly peace for us that God brings to us, to ourselves, to ourselves. He also brings peace to your relationships, church. He brings peace so that slander and fighting will cease, so that forgiveness can reign because we have been forgiven much. We can forgive much because we've been forgiven much. And he will finally even bring peace to the creation, to the created order. Friends, we feel the curse. We feel the weight of the the curse as we, we fight for making ends meet. By the sweat of your brow, we feel it daily. But there's coming a day when we won't fear, we won't fear the beasts of the field, and work won't be a burden to us. Amen. Christ coming. Christ coming. It says in, in Isaiah nine seven, the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Christ coming. He <laughs> I keep saying that wrong. He came to make all things new. Behold, I am making all things new, Jesus said. His peace was going to reach every sphere of our world. There's a quote up on the screen I'd like to share with you from Pastor John Piper. He he comments on the angel's song here. It says, there is hardly a better way to sum up what God was about about when he created the world or what he was about when he came to reclaim the world than Jesus Christ. His glory, our peace. His greatness, excuse me, our joy. His beauty, our pleasure. The point of creation and redemption is that God is glorious and means to be known and praised for his glory by a peace-filled new humanity. I love that. God will get glory primarily through what he does in the church. Through a peace-filled new humanity, like I just described. But it's important to notice in verse 14b, I want you to look there with me, that God's peace doesn't come to everyone, but only to, quote, those with whom he is pleased. Wait, Daniel, didn't the angel just say that this is a, a message of good news for all the people? Yes. It does say that. The gospel of peace is available for all, but will only bring peace to the one God favors. What does that mean? What God favors. Who does God show favor to? Church, he shows favor to the one who believes in Jesus. This is a complex passage, and I would love to spend time unpacking the Greek and and getting into the depths of of the meaning of this. But I think what you need to hear and what, what you need to see is, if you want God's favor, believe on the Son of God. Believe on the one that He has sent, and His favor will rest on you. If you are here today and have not surrendered to Jesus, oh, I urge you to turn. I'm here preaching God's message to you so that you would turn and find joy in Him. His peace is for those who turn to Him. You may also read this line with those with whom He is pleased and hear me saying that and and think that you're excluded somehow because of your sin, that maybe you're too bad. Screwed up this week, it's been a hard, hard month Just look at the shepherds. They, they probably weren't the holiest men, you know. These guys had a really hard life. In fact, the, the rulers of, of Israel would have pressed them harder and harder. Would, it would have been hard to keep, keep the pace. Taxes. The burdens that they carried daily probably tempted them more than, than others to live a life of vice. But God came even to them. Praise God, God came even to them. Christianity Church is the most inclusive faith in the world. It says anyone, all. It's the most tolerant religion. I know that that it's claimed that that's not true, but it receives any sinner, anyone, no matter how bad you are, the murderer at Jesus' side, Remember me, Jesus. You'll you'll be with me today in paradise. He didn't have time to show all his works and show that he's doing better. God said, today you'll be with me. It's a simple act of faith. He believed on the Son. But church, it is also, at the same time that I say that it it is the most inclusive, it is also exclusive and that not all men will be saved. Only those who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the one whom God has sent as the means of salvation for the world. Only those who surrender to him and believe that he has died for sins, those who follow him. This message for sinners like shepherds is the extraordinary message that made them want to share with others. And I hope it's stirring you to share. Look at verse 15. It it tells us that after the heavenly celebration, the angels departed and things went back to normal. I can just imagine the you know, all this this light, and then it's just darkness immediately. And you know, in in addition to the crackling fire and the crickets and the the bleeding of the sheep, now you hear their breath (laughs) a lot heavier. (sighs) They don't know what to say, they're speechless. And then one one of them says, let's go see. We've got to see what's happened in Bethlehem. We're told, Luke captures this, this story, maybe even from the shepherds themselves. He tells us in verse 16 that they rushed, they went with haste to see what would happen, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby, just as it had been said, lying in a manger. Having heard The celebration of of the angels and their extraordinary message, these ordinary shepherds became God's message, messengers. I want to look there to the last part here, ordinary messengers in in verse 17. Read with me. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. Does anyone else find this incredibly amazing? Amazing. That some of the very first people that get to gaze on the Messiah are shepherds. And some of the very first people that would witness to the gospel of Jesus that the Messiah had come would be these shepherds, these ordinary men. These blue-collar men. When they saw it, when they saw Jesus lying there and all that they had heard from the angels, they couldn't help but speak just like many of us when we first heard that message. They told everyone around them what the angels had told them about the child. I wonder what that was like. Did they go together? Did they all split up? Like, let's, let's tell everybody we can. Let's, let's get this message out. This totally baffles me. It makes sense that God would send angels to, to declare this extraordinary message, right? But it makes a lot less sense to me that that he would send someone like these shepherds. That they would become some of the first witnesses. But then I consider the message of Christmas, church. Then I consider God becoming man and lying in a manger. Then I think, who better? Who better than these ordinary men? Right? Who better than broken, sinful men to carry... message. This is what makes the message extraordinary. This is what makes God so glorious, church. Not that any of us are worthy. Not that any of us are worthy of the saving benefits of Jesus. Not that any of us are worthy of being carriers of the message of Jesus. We're jars of clay. But here's what's amazing, that in him we would become just the vessels that he wants to carry his message. In Christ, we would become exactly what he wants because that's when Jesus gets glory. When he takes broken people like you and me and he shines through us and shows his message, a saving message. In Christ, in his humiliation, we find our exaltation, church. In him, in his death, we find life. Paul explains this truth in Second Corinthians. It says in verse uh, seventeen of chapter five: If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone; the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ, and who committed us to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. If that doesn't bring God glory, I don't know what does. That he would take lowly sinners like shepherds, that he would take a proud pastor's kid, Daniel Simmons. And use me as one of his messengers. That he would take a little people like all people's church. And use us to proclaim an eternally significant message. This brings God's glory and it takes away all means of boasting. We have no place to boast. I imagine God the Father was so pleased as he watched these these men that knew so little probably about, about the gospel. So little perhaps of the scriptures. And yet... They couldn't control it and they would preach this this message. Let me ask you is this true of you this Christmas? Is it true of you that when this story about Jesus and what I'm proclaiming today lands on your ears, does it cause you to like the shepherds never be the same or do you go back to work? Back to status quo, unmoved. do, went to church this weekend. What's your response to this message? Verse eighteen gives us a few different responses from those that were sharing that he that they shared the message to. Look there with me. It says and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Notice the contrast there that Luke is setting up with that word, that conjunction, but. He says, everyone was wondering, but Mary pondered these things, treasured these things in her heart, pondering them in her heart. I don't think this is a throwaway statement for Luke. I think he's trying to draw our attention to something. He's not talking about fuzzy feelings that Mary's having, He's talking about how the kingdom of God is going to spread. He's teaching a profound truth about Christ's kingdom. You see, the, life's, the life and message of Jesus would be proclaimed to people, and he, he would go out, and everywhere he went, his life and his message would cause, even to this day, varying reactions from those that hear. And those reactions to who Jesus is reveal the thoughts of people's hearts. Even Mary's. Church, this is how the kingdom spreads. The gospel is proclaimed. It comes to hearts. And there's varying responses. What is your response today? Is it like the crowds who, who simply wondered? They simply thought, wow, this is, this is a very intriguing message. Are you like Mary who treasured these things In her heart, who who marvels at them, who ponders. Then there's this other response, verse 20. It says the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Or are you like the shepherds whose lives would never be the same? They returned to their fields, but they weren't the same people anymore. They were glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard. What, what, what did God take? Where were you before he, he saved you? What were you doing? What were you excited about? When you heard that message, did it, did it just grab your heart and cause you to want to praise the Lord? Did it overflow in your heart? Have you felt that joy in Jesus where you thought, Oh, Jesus, thank you. Oh, God, for saving me. Thank you. What is your response to the message of Jesus? Is your life the same, or is it changed like the shepherds in such a way that it causes you to worship and to overflow, proclaiming the message to others? Pastor John Piper wrote a book book called um, uh, Let the Nations Be Glad, Then he said, missions exists because worship doesn't. Missions exists because worship doesn't. Humans were created to see the greatness of God and worship Him. And all around the world, including right here in this room, our hearts don't worship Him as they ought to. And there are people right outside this building whose hearts don't worship Him as they ought to. So we proclaim the gospel until the day that Jesus returns, amen? This is why missions exist, because there are still people that are not worshiping God as they ought to. This is what I want to happen right now in this room. This is what I want to happen, that as we proclaim this gospel, as we sing the gospel together, that our hearts would be overflowing with worship and that it would cause us to, like the shepherds, go out as ambassadors for God, proclaiming his message as his mouthpieces. Jesus' small beginning, church, it shows his humility, but he didn't stay there. He is not a little baby in a manger anymore, amen? He died conquering sin, Satan, Death and hell, and he rose and he's seated at the right hand of God and he's building his church right now. He is seated there, glorious church, and he's with us now. He's stirring in our hearts. And his kingdom is spreading. It is, it's spreading through ordinary people like me and you, it's spreading through ordinary people like the shepherds, like the fishermen like prisoners, like prisoners like Philemon, murderers like Paul, Gentiles like Cornelius, tent makers like Priscilla and Aquila, and on and on down to my parents' witnesses and my parents and you and me spreading this gospel to our friends and family. Some dying as they proclaim this message because we found the good news of great joy. There's no reward greater There's no joy greater than getting to share in our Lord's suffering, getting to share in the call that he's called us to be on mission with him, to see other people come into the kingdom and into our family as brothers and sisters. So I want to ask you again today, what is your response? Does the gospel of Jesus produce joyful worship and witness in you? I want to speak to the un- unbelievers. Maybe there, there's one or two of you in here tonight. If you are not trusting Jesus, I just want to urge you right now to find peace in the Lord. He calls you right now through me. Be reconciled to God. God desires that you would be in His presence, that you would find peace in Him, but it's only through Jesus. Please, not before it's too late, come and find reconciliation and peace with God, there is no other peace. Believers, do you take joy in the fact that God chose to use ordinary people like you to advance his kingdom? Do you take joy in that? Maybe some of you just still feel so intimidated, and you're like, Daniel, I know, I feel excited. I'm, I'm, the gospel is good, yes, I'm excited to sing, but just the idea of going out and getting rejected by somebody that's going to say, you intolerant man, whatever it is. Maybe you feel that right now. Maybe you feel very alone. Church, you're not alone. Take heart. When Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, he said these words, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Church, you're not alone. He doesn't just send you out by yourself. Christ is with you. Christ is in you. He is alive in you, stirring your heart to proclaim this joyful message. In church, not only is, is he with you, he has saved you into a body. This church right now, so that we're not alone, but we together through our prayers together and through working together, we link arms to proclaim this message together. Amen? We're not alone in this. You've been empowered by the Holy Spirit and you've been saved into Christ's body. And I just want to urge you today if you want your coworkers, your childhood friends, your roommates, your neighbors, your strangers to have stories like I shared in the beginning, when somebody came to my parents and shared a simple message that has had generational effects. If you want that story, if you want that story for your friends and your coworkers, I urge you today, open your mouth and preach the good news to them. Please preach the gospel. He has called you and equipped you with His Spirit. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be perfectly trained. Think about the shepherds. You are simply called to witness what you have seen and heard about Jesus. I want to share a story in closing that I heard a few years back about a poor crippled girl in Africa who was used by God mightily. This this young girl had very little to her name, very poor, disabled, had little to offer the world. She had one possession on earth, and that was a little corn husk doll. She would come every single week to church. Every time there was a gathering, if you saw this girl, you would see her with her doll. And one Sunday, there, there began to be a, a request made by the, the leaders of the church. Church, we found villages nearby. But, but we don't have the money or the funds to get there. We need, we need to raise some funds so we can send some of our people to preach the gospel to them. They're unreached. They don't don't have the gospel. So we're asking for offerings and one week went by with pennies. Very little offered and another week and another week and another week and they kept making the same call. Church, they don't know the gospel. Please give so we can go. We don't have the money. We don't have the funds. And then one week showed up in in the offering baskets this little girl's the people were, were moved to tears, and as people were sitting there just wondering at what had just happened, a man in the back called out, I, I have a cow, another, I can sell some of my crops, another, I, I, I have goat's milk, I can sell. I'll give, I'll give. Before long, they had enough money to to give so that they could go to the neighboring villages and proclaim this gospel. I share that to ask, ask you right now, church, what do you have to offer? What do you have to offer the Lord, like this young woman? If you have found peace in Jesus and experienced his great love, church, You have everything you need. You have everything you need to be an effective witness for God. It is as simple as knowing how great his grace is towards you, that you would say, he's my treasure. This gospel has to be shared no matter what it takes. So let me ask you, is there anything more precious to you than the gospel that you would hold on to, that you would hold on to your comfort, your reputation to keep you from sharing? Church, this little girl had so little to offer, and yet she gave everything she had. You have everything you need to be an effective witness for him. Open your mouth. Our, our nation needs revival, church. We need a re-evangelization of the whole country. And listen here. We cannot do it. The professionals, the grads, the pastors... It's not going to cut it. We need every boy, girl to to file in rank and come with and get on mission for Jesus. If we were going to proclaim the gospel to this city and see transformation in these streets, church, we got to get on board. Teenagers, I'm calling for you. It doesn't matter how ill equipped you are. I know TK is preaching this message to you. (laughs) Get ready. We're gonna call on you to come and make disciples, to open your mouth. We have all got to do this together, amen? So here's what I wanna challenge us to do. I wanna call you to write down one person on your phone today or in a notebook that you're gonna to begin to pray for daily and that you're gonna seek opportunities to preach the gospel for too. And I want you to share that with your DNA or with, with somebody that you're close to, a spouse. Preferably both. can you guys imagine what that would be like if if even half of the people that we begin to pray for and preach the gospel to came to Christ? Imagine the worship that would happen in this room if we had that? That is what we long for, church, that the name of our God would be praised greatly as it is deserved to be as is deserved. I don't know who that's going to be for you. Maybe it's someone like Ross said earlier that you're going to meet uh, over Christmas over the holidays, but I just want to challenge you to, to write down that name and begin to pray and tell somebody about it. Church, you have no greater task, there's no greater gift than that you have been given a gospel message that saves. That through the message, as we read earlier, people have the power to believe. This is how God works to save individuals. It is through a message proclaimed and the Holy Spirit illumining their hearts. Remember the shepherds. I want to, I want to say that together. Remember the shepherds. One more time. Let's try that. Remember the shepherds. I just want you to be thinking that this week. I am not too ordinary of a person to proclaim this gospel message. I will remember the shepherds. God chose ordinary messengers to proclaim his extraordinary message, and that's you and me. Amen. We'll be spending some time in prayer uh, after the service. I want to go and invite the worship team to come up. And I just we're going to be spending some time in that prayer meeting, praying for the lost, and again, I just want to urge all of you to come and, and pray that God would move in great ways in our city. In these next few minutes, we're going we're gonna to worship our God. And we're going to pray for fresh, fresh vision and fresh love for the gospel in a way that would cause us to overflow in worship and overflow to proclaim this message.